And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Ken. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm up here in... Seattle. You can imagine what the weather's like. Where are you? I'm in Los Angeles, and it's finally, finally cooling down, and I'm so just thrilled. Have you been down there for a long time? Yes. Do you grow up there? I've been in Southern California most of my life. I, I was born and raised in Seattle, moved to San Diego when I was 13, went to high school in San Diego, and um, then I moved to Los Angeles to after high school to go to film school up at Cal State LA, and I've been in LA ever since. Oh, okay. How's it feeling down there, um, vaccination-wise? Are you getting? A, is there any inkling of relief? Uh, well, there's nothing's locked down. Mm-hmm. 
as far as I know. So it's just mask wearing and um, getting boosters. And I have two grade school age kids. The younger just was approved. So she just got her, her first vaccine yesterday, actually. So now everyone's got at least one. She needs to get her second one and we'll, and the whole immediate family will be vaxxed. Same here. I got my seven-year-old vaxxed last week. Mm-hmm. What a relief. Yeah. So, because I get, I'm getting emails from both my son's school and my daughter's school every week uh, that say, you know, several students were excused because they caught COVID and they won't be coming back for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone, please practice. Get, you know, they're so poli- <laughs> they're so PC. The schools don't want to offend anyone, including right. the anti-vaxxers, which I find to be nauseating, to be honest. I find that offensive. I find it absolutely offensive. I know dads in this community where I live who are totally vaxxed and won't tell their friends because they're afraid of being ostracized by a bunch of Fox News casualties. That's the part that I'm over, just the cowardice of so many people in the face of, of this insanity is just... I'm with you. I, I don't have it. I don't have anything left for these people. I have no patience or, or understanding left. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, there's no room for any sort of explanation anymore. No, you know, that just fucking ridiculous. Given all this, um, I know that you made a wonderful record, Wild Type Droid, I'm assuming over the last couple years or within that time frame. And I also know that you, you know, you score and produce other records. What did you get into over the last year, year and a half as a musician? You know, it's it, the Wild Type Droid record was just about a year because really we, we've sort of formally started it in August of 2020. You know, there was sort of individual sketching going on between, uh, I know I was doing some sketches before, a little bit before that, but basically we started, we, we booked out the studio in August 2020 for a month basically and just improvised for, for weeks there. And that became the foundation for the album, basically. We, we kind of took those recordings, spun them into, picked the best parts or picked parts that you know were attractive to us and tried to spin those ideas into full songs. And that's three quarters of the record is, is that process, basically. So, you know, it was like we did this improv, we brought all of those recordings back to my place, I think there was probably, I mean, this is like like the fall of 2020 between the election and the <laughs> insurrection. <laughs> so that period was just me alone, basically, and pouring over that material and watching the news. Right. Um, and and kind of like sending things to the other guys and saying, hey, we got some cool ideas here. I don't think really Greg and I dove into working together here until the beginning of 2021. And then we really kind of hunkered down here in my studio and turned those rough ideas into what you hear on the finished album. And then there were also a few 
other songs as usual greg and i also do work apart and we'll bring mm -hmm. songs in and present them to each other and say hey do you think this would work on the record what, what is your vibe on it and so there are three or four of those too did you have any anxiety over the past few years of not being able to work or tour or did you find the break a relief no i didn't find the break a relief I, mm -hmm. I definitely have been stressed out ever since Trump won in 2016. I've been, yeah, yeah, been pretty stressed. Uh, you know, I think to a certain point you, you acclimate to that level of, of stress. <laughs> That's just funny to me that sometimes you just wake up in the morning, you read a headline, and no matter how insane it is, you still go in the kitchen and make yourself breakfast right and go about your day uh i don't know it's it's i i <laughs> i think you know so, some people are in some serious denial i feel like i'm in denial too i i really do i feel like when trump lost a lot of my friends were like okay we can breathe easy <laughs> right. i'm just i i am not one of those people I am definitely not one of those people. I am just as, I'm more stressed. You are. Uh-huh. What do you imagine is going to um, relieve that stress in the next, say, five, ten years? I don't see anything really on the horizon at this point. You don't? No. Mm -mm. I think, unfortunately, I think things are going to get worse. I think there's a lot of people are like, oh, the, you know, lockdowns are easing up and life's sort of getting back to normal. Yeah, no, because all of the the pandemic and what happened during the pandemic um, or it's still happening. Mm -hmm. That's like to me, that's not the real problem. I mean, yeah, it's it's a problem that public health was, you know, politicized and weaponized. But the like we have the technology to defeat. A, a virus, you know, so right. It, it, you can see the end game there, kind of despite all the idiots not believing it's true or whatever, or they, you know, take the horse dewormer or whatever. Like, <laughs> despite that, it'll, you know, for most people who get vaccinated, we'll conquer that. What we're not going to be able to conquer in this country is having a third of the people believe that we have an illegitimate president. And that they also believe that violence is going to be required to sustain their version of what they think American life should be. That is not going to get solved. That I just don't see it. I just, I just don't. I think those people are just, it's tragic to me to say this, but I just think they're gone. I don't think you're going to bring those people back. Yeah. You know, some people are saying, well, you know, it's a high percentage of this thought is the boomer age, I see a lot of this organized racism as young people. But there is a thought that once this idea that the boomers are carrying this conservative, non-scientific, um, these notions are going to die along with the boomers. Yeah, so we'll like, it's generationally we'll get out of it. Uh, yeah, maybe in 30 or 40 years, but there's a lot of young conservative. I mean, look, 70 million people voted for Trump. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, believable. 70 million people 
And I think you're looking at roughly half of those people believe violence is going to be necessary. So you're, that's 35 million people, 10% of the entire population. I just don't think the tension that the right-wing media has created and the radicalization of their um, viewers that they've created is, I mean, they've spent years doing that. It's not, it's not going to stop and overnight, you know? And, 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 the, and I also think that tension that is now, the divide in this country is like a tension, right? It's like a, it's a, it's a rope that is pulled very taut. And I don't see it being sustained calmly. I think mm -hmm. things and or people are going to snap and bad things are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you just saw that guy last week on on TV at a at a some kind of town hall meeting and he gets on the mic and he, his question is when do we get to use the guns and start yeah. killing these people? And he yeah. wasn't booed. He was cheered by the entire crowd. So I just don't see how people are, are not worried about that. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like all the, all the other stuff that goes on, like making this record and bringing it out to people, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it still has, you know, the enjoyment, but it's couched in this dread, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this sort of like, constant dread that I don't know I, I don't see any I can't shake it um, you guys make a record every on average every five years something like that right I think it's well it's a little hard to say I mean I look at the as a band we have two halves to our career we have the 90s and we have now or the 2000s yeah. right so, so it's more like two and a half years since we rebooted Mm -hmm. okay. Three. So it's, I think that's a little, about half of, about half that. And then in the 90s, it was like 91, 93, 96. And the only reason the 93 to 96 was there is because Fantastic Planet mastered and completed, sat on the shelf for 18 months. Why? Uh, because the label that we were signed to, Slash Records decided it wanted to sell itself and it put basically all the artists that were on the label kind of in limbo as it waited to see who would give them the most money for the whole mm -hmm. catalog and all the artists there and our record in particular got really screwed up because they eventually sold it, sold the label to London Polygram, but they were trying for the longest period. They wanted Warner Brothers to buy them, which made so much more sense because for the last like 20 years, Warner Brothers was their North American distributor. And many of their acts actually would get upstreamed to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers didn't want to buy the whole label. Because they knew what the sales history was. And it wasn't horrible. It just wasn't worthy of the money they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So um, the strange thing happened is that the current regime at Warner Brothers didn't really know much about failure. But someone gave them a promo cassette of the finished album. Yeah. They got it and they were like, 
this is awesome. We we want this band, but we don't want the whole label. And that actually ended up screwing up the whole Slash deal for an extra <laughs> six months because they Warner Brothers had to pull us out of the overall sale of the label, bring yeah. us over to Warner Brothers. Everyone else went to Polygram, and yeah, it was just super confusing, all label just label business stuff that had nothing to do with the band. And, you know, for us, what happened is, is it took a real toll on us psychologically because we had put everything into making fantastic planet. And when you like, just sort of like give everything you have creatively for that long and you just finish this thing and literally, literally we were finishing it and our manager called me and said, um, I got some bad news for you you're not really turning in your record to anyone. God, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was, it, it was like a death. It, weird. It was, we all just kind of went in, into this morning, basically phase of morning where we we're just depressed. And, and, you know, what happened was, is, you know, if there were some abusive things happening with drugs and in the band, mm -hmm those got put on steroids right and so that that delay you know looking back 20 years now you, you i yeah. could see it clearly that delay was probably responsible for the band ultimately breaking up at the end of 97. wow that yeah and then once you got back on the horse everyone was okay was everyone psyched once you you were in phase two of failure oh in 2014 the reboot yeah 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 the so, reboot. Yeah. yeah yeah everyone was everyone was clean mm -hmm. and sober and i mean the actual process of being in this band is like creatively it's the same but everything else it's just completely different now because we're mm -hmm. we're older we're clean yeah. And we have kids, and it's just like you change so much from being 27, and now you're, you know, in your 50, <laughs> early 50s, and you just have a completely different outlook on it. But the one thing that hasn't changed is that, and maybe we even know this more now, is that the musical creativity between us is unique. Yeah, and we can't. We've we've all spent tons of time working with other artists maybe even in different bands different solo things different tours we've all had plenty of opportunity to collaborate and do music with other individuals but i think we kind of now know like no what we actually had in the 90s was special and it was unique because of the combination of of people yeah. Yeah. And it's still being delivered in this new record for sure. And there's, for me, I, I'm a musician. I'm, you know, and an interested, not critical, but deeply interested listener. And um, I can feel you guys playing together. You know, it's, it, it's not a, um, you're not just throwing together t t songs to get the band back together. And uh, it's just, there's a lot of glue in this, especially the way the record is sequenced for me. I know a lot of people are largely making singles, etc. right now. That's no, that's not news. But I had the privilege of listening to your entire record several times. And uh, it's really 
surprising how perfect of a just a LP it is to listen to. Thank you. You know, it's just like every song is it ends and then it's kind of sparkly and there's great weird stuff and songs like uh Lifetime of Joy, it, you know, it kind of starts lo-fi. And that song to me is fun. It's funny. I hope you don't take that the wrong way, but it's really it's fucking hilarious but an amazing tune. Mhm. And it's like the the shortest actual song we've ever put out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I think you know there's a I know there's such a um clear ageism in in the business, you know. We've we've mm-hmm. experienced it for sure. Having radio people come up to us and just saying, "Look, man, it's not going to happen." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we don't we're, we're we're not even listening to it. I mean, we we don't play bands who are in their 40s i mean that that, that's we just don't do that like it doesn't really matter what the songs are like or what the sound of the band is so and that's fine i get that i i totally understand that but the reason i bring it up is because i don't think we could have made this record in our 20s i mean the core of the sound yes we we kind of discovered that and it's the way that you know Greg and I just kind of relate harmonically is the core of the sound. And sure, that was in the 90s. But to me, like what you're saying, the, the way the sequence works and and the way the songs just kind of flow, there's a, there's a lot going on there that may seem like it's just like, you know, it's just happy accidents or whatever, but it, it's not. I mean, it's yeah, not. No, it doesn't, like, yeah, it doesn't we, feel like that to me. It feels thoughtful to say the least. Yeah. And I mean, you, you just have a lot of record making history between all the members now. Right. So like, it's, it's so much more fun. I have to say that we appreciate each other's abilities and lean on each other's abilities so much more. Now it's such a more, more natural flow because the thing that plagued us in the 90s, we had two things plaguing us in the 90s. Fighting for control of the band in a sort of abstract way, you know, like getting yeah. your way on songs and yeah. getting more of your songs on the album and that kind of stuff. And drugs. Those were our <laughs> Achilles heels. And both of those are freaking gone. So it's kind of like we can just get down to the real meat, you know? Right. The, the the writing, the recording, the to talking about the lyrics and the all that other shit, the distracting part is kind of just like it's it's over there now. It's yeah. fun. That's nice. Well, I'd like to play um headstand. Is mm-hmm. that cool with you? Yeah. All right, here we My go. My favorite song.
man. Thank you. Again, it's a great record. I, I, I that's the single that's been out. If, are we calling it a single? That's the song that's been out <laughs> for a few weeks at least now. Right? It's what bands like us get to, to do as far as singles. We can put a, sound, a song out on 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 the DSPs for a few weeks and say, "Hey, it's our single." <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, it's great. Who cares yeah. what it's fucking called? Uh, yeah. So you, we kind of know the the larger process uh, you described a larger process of getting these songs together and i did hear someone at 606 told me you guys went into 606 and tracked yes uh-huh how was that i've tracked there and i was it was so fun yeah it's a great studio it's it's amazing i mean the live room my whole thing at this point is you can have such a incredibly functional studio in your house on a computer. If you're going to go to a, a studio and pay like a day rate to get like a studio, go to a good studio with a good live yeah. room, you I'm know, you. Yeah. that has an acoustic sound that you just can't get in a, right. in, a in any other way. And that was one of the things that really appealed to me about Dave Grohl's studios that he spent a lot of time, money and research on building that live room so that it has the sound that it has. And as soon as we walked in there and just, you know, did the, the clap, you know, and you're just like, and then Kelly started just pulling snares out and, and hitting the snare in the room. It's just like, okay, this is going to be fun. I mean, how could it not be a great studio, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the best drummers in the world. <laughs> Had his drums recorded by some of the best producers or engineers. I mean, the guy knows his shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you brought up a good point, which if you're going to, I'm a drummer, largely. Mm -hmm. In the past 10 years, every once in a while, it's like, well, we got everything recorded but the drums or the idea of the drums. Let's go somewhere. But a million times we've just gone to a place where we can be louder because drums are loud and it's a shitty room. It's just a place that you can track the drums. Mm -hmm. Why not spend some dough on a good sounding room? Especially if you're going to do drums as an overdub. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're camping out and writing and like. Um, you know, how we did Fantastic Planet and how we did The Heart is a Monster, which was all of us basically camping out and writing. The writing was as big of it, uh, part of the process as the actual tracking of the finished drum parts. That's a different process. But on this record, we did... Well, I... I actually need to qualify that because <laughs> I should. It's a bit of a misnomer to say that the all the drums on the record were done as an overdub, because, for instance, the drums on Headstand are all from the original improvised sessions of August 2020. Oh, okay. So really, probably only five. I think five or six drum kits performances were recorded at 606 because we felt like the drums that Kelly played in the original improv had a magic to them that just had something that was pointless to try to recreate because we were, we knew we liked it so much. And we had also built 
the rest of the structure around those. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we knew going into the 606 sessions, we're not going to even touch A, B, and C because those are done. Right, yeah. Like, but I'm not I'm not feeling good with the drums on submarines. Like, drum-wise, that was the biggest improvement because that one went from, like, heavily edited and time-stretched drums from the improv sessions to giving up on those and ha- it, during the writing process had to move to MIDI drums mm-hmm. because we wanted to change the tempo and change a couple parts and move things around. Then we come full circle, go into 606. Kelly's now heard everything and kind of had the journey that Greg and I took the song on. And he's like, okay, I know what to do. And it was like, boom, yes. Yeah. The thing about MIDI drums for me, I mean, I, I, I've spent some time doing it. I've released quite a few things with MIDI drums, you know, where it sounds like a, a drummer. Um, but the thing that you, that's really hard to create, uh, recreate is that undulating wash of cymbals in the room. You know, mm-hmm. that's just constantly morphine. And because we have a lot of parts in our songs where the wash of the ride symbol is like a character in the scene, you know? It's a thing. Just to have that laying over the top. Like in Headstand, the chorus of Headstand is a good example. Although that one was strangely a pretty dry-sounding drum kit, but it illustrates the importance of the ride symbol in a lot of songs for us. And so having a space where that the symbol can really just kind of take off it, it's almost like a tape echo stacking up on itself, right? Yeah. In the room and just kind of blooming and blossoming and coming. It's like, yeah, you can't recreate that with the sampled symbols. Not yet. <laughs> I hope no one figures that out. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a t- too big of a collection of symbols that I'm always like, how about this one? That's uh, the fun thing about doing drums as an overdub. Uh, on a song that you already know yeah. pretty well is that you, you do say things like that. you like, yeah. you hear Kelly play a song and you're like, you know, the, everything's sounding pretty good with the kit, but like the snare is just not really like sinking into the track. Can we try something that isn't so like abrasive or just feels more natural in the song or the ride symbol? Like it's too bright. We need something darker. Those th- those are sometimes things that you don't necessarily notice if you're starting with drums. After this description of something like, you know, the cymbals being in the track as a, a character, I can only imagine all the other cool things that you did. So, uh. <laughs> I think this is, a, in terms of failure records, the one thing that is maybe a little different is that there's a lot of heavy editing in order to preserve, in some songs, the uh, the original performances of the parts. Because that's the other thing, you know? When we go into a studio specifically to improvise with each other, that experience really comes in handy because it makes those recordings have a much higher percentage of usable things in them. So... When I got all that stuff back to my studio and started listening to it, I was just like, holy mackerel, this is like, there's like an album in here. If I just wanted to spend the time, I could just edit out an album. 
<laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. Some of the moments musically where it's just the three of us playing what we think might be a verse or something ended up being pretty freaking usable. Or we'd only have to replace one person's part. Uh-huh. And that's the case with headstand. The drums and all of the guitar are from the improv jams. The, the only thing that's redone is the bass and the vocals. Have you used this much improvisation in writing before? No. Do you think you'll use it again? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because I think we were all kind of just happy with the results. And at the end of the day, I mean, like a, a lifetime of joy that you mentioned, I mean, that is 100% all from the improv vocals everything like mm -hmm. and it's just like it's just a cool moment you know it's just a cool yeah. thing that happened we captured it and it breaks up the kind of more studio multi-layered things you know what i like about this record is that we get to show off our studio chops and there's lots of vocal harmonies and cool stuff like that but like we also are showing off that we can just play as a trio yeah I also like on that particular song, you could kind of hear the environment that we're in. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. sound like uh, something that's been, you know, like string noise and stuff that you could mute in a mix. Sure. Yeah. We, we just left it in because it, yeah. it, it felt cool. You know? Yeah. You create these environments and they're inspirational. They just yeah. are. Yeah. Um. What are you listening to right now? Are you listening to any music? Anything new to you? No. 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 <laughs> to, to be honest, <laughs> I just have had so little time. I, I have too many plates in the air right now. I have, you know, I'm doing this YouTube channel. I'm making music videos for failure. I just haven't had a whole lot of time to dive into new music. I'd be honest, like when I get in the car between like, you know, doing a failure mix working on a, you know some cool band that's hired me to mix or do something or consult on something and then i get the car to drive my kid to you know soccer practice i'm just gonna give my ears a break you know <laughs> for a yeah. second talk to my kid it's just like at this point right now i'm looking forward to a tour yeah because that's Touring for me in my personal life is where I learn about new music because I'm locked in a bus with a bunch of cool people that know about cool music. That's where I'm generally finding out about new, new music. And do you have anything in the books for touring for 22? We're going to announce it in, I believe, in January. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, so we'll be able to see you somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometime soon. All right, man. Well, it was nice to talk to you. Likewise. I want to tell you one more thing before we go. Okay. You and I were both in a band called The Replicants at the same time. Really? But ours had a K in it, as in Kant, the philosopher. Okay. <laughs> and it was more of a joke. But uh, it, at the same time, in the, in uh, the yeah, 90s. It was at the same time, yeah. Okay. Yeah, wow. Just, just want to let you And know. you were doing originals. We were doing originals. Okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah. All right. Well, take care if you travel. Travel safe. Cool, man. All Thanks. right. Take it easy. Bye. You too. Bye.